0: Oh, wonderful. Dave Brubeck Quartet uh, with Take Five. Uh, it's been a jazz classic since 1959. I love this tune. Brubeck is on piano. Paul Desmond, who wrote it, that's him, on alto sax. He's a composer. Eugene Wright on bass, and Joe Morello on drums. This is Lead Stories. I'm Patrice Leed, and I'm glad to be back with you again. After a weekend, I hope, was restful for you, and you got a chance to catch up on your Z's, (laughs) and uh, you're ready to do some debating today. Okay, so some questions about where things are going. I don't know where they're going, do you? We have no idea. So believe it or not, that's what we'll be talking about. What, based on our own intuition, our sense of developments and how they relate to each other, Uh, snippets of information here and there. What seems to be developing? Okay. So I ask you, what do you make of where the situation stands between Russia and Ukraine and the threat of war between them? What do you make of where the situation stands between Russia and Ukraine and the threat of war between them? Of course, we know war is never just between this one and that one. It starts off that way, and pretty soon it's a conflagration. Everybody in one way or the other is connected to it. International volunteers are signing up to fight in an anticipated war between Russia and Ukraine that has not even been declared. If you felt compelled to do likewise, what will have been the compelling reason International volunteers are signing up to fight in an anticipated war between Russia and Ukraine that has not even been declared. If you felt compelled to do likewise, what will have been the compelling reason? And consider this, President Joe Biden, that is to say the United States, has taken a leading role in galvanizing international support behind Ukraine, promising billions of dollars in technical, humanitarian, and military aid. Is Biden setting up once again the old East-West tug-of-war. I'll repeat it. President Joe Biden, that is to say the United States, has taken a leading role in galvanizing international support behind Ukraine, promising billions in technical, humanitarian, and military aid. Is Biden setting up once again the old east-west tug-of-war? Those are some of the questions I ask you to ponder and give us your take on these questions today. 888-874-4888 is the number to call. You pick your own question. And hopefully you can give us an answer that allows us to appreciate the complexity of the moment that we're in and choices that we will have to make, I think, very soon. 888 874 As we get into these questions, We, it, it may sound very casual, but of course, we know it's a very dangerous time. And there's no explicitly right answer or explicitly wrong answer. We have, however, explanations that some people think suffice for the moment given the fact that we have no idea what the future holds. We're just conjecturing. On what basis? Well, everybody has a different basis for conjecturing. That's why they call it conjecturing. Uh, You see different things in the problem that could emerge as major factors in how things work out or don't, but either way, no matter what you think, the idea is, can you identify even now as you contemplate the questions, can you contemplate what a possible answer would be to the massive problem that we face? How do we get out of this? And by we, I mean the nations of the world, not just, you know, uh, two nations warring or attempting to go to war with each other. But the world community of nations will soon be dragged into this and will soon have to make up or explain their position which way they're going to go, and why. Because then it becomes very real. Many of the rules that typically govern sensible governments are out the window. And a whole new set of uh, explanations come into play as to why countries are deciding this way or that, or not deciding at all, refusing to get involved. But there will be few. In this scenario, we can easily see the world community of nations taking sides, having an opinion, and willing to back it up one way or another. What's your take on it? Where is all of this leading? Do you think? Well, of war, you know, war makes sense. Does war ever make sense? But we are told all the time there are reasons for war, and they have to do with the aggregate good of a nation. That it makes sense because it is the alternative that is left. The only one left around which there could be negotiations, but the way I see it, I, I see that it is going to be inevitable that there will be war on a very large scale. What will be the reasons given for declaring war, going to war, dedicating so many precious resources to war? This is what uh, we inevitably have to face, even if there isn't a war. They. There will be discussion as to why, if war is inevitable, why it is inevitable. At least there will be these uh, ideas floating around to make us feel better that uh, should war be declared, it's not a bunch of crazies. But they've thought about the problem very, very carefully and seriously. And they know that they have examined all the aspects of this dilemma. And therefore, their decision is a wise one. It's not hasty. And it is, in fact, to bring peace. <laughs> this is always This is always the explanation. We make war because we want peace. And inevitably there will be peace, but we just have to take care of this ugly business right now. What are you thinking? 888-874-4888. Just where are we with respect to the major question of war? and why it may become, quote, necessary, unquote. That's the explanation we will get, that we don't like war more than you do, we don't want more than people do, but we go to war to avoid even bigger problems. And better to do it now than to allow ourselves to be caught reacting rather than acting. I mean, all these strange contradictions pop up all the time. And nations end up discussing and rationalizing the reason for war, the necessity for war. Alongside that, they argue and, and try to persuade the people that war it's not good. It's not a good thing. We don't want war. But we must go to war. We have no choice. In order to to avoid even worse outcomes. What is your thinking on that? 888-874-4888 is the number to call. Let's get started, shall we? We spend a lot of time waiting for people to decide whether to call or not. I say, if you have something to say, get on with it, and let's hear your reasoning. 888 I don't know how this would end. But I'm very apprehensive because for me, I'm speaking just for me. I do, would not I would prefer not to entrust the leaders who've come forward with the awesome responsibility of making that decision. I don't think they're sufficiently prepared or schooled to make such a decision or whether it is their purview to make a decision simply because they are elected president or leader. We are in a dilemma. How do we how do we explain our position? What? What could possibly be an acceptable decision with regard to that question? Have you thought about it? Jeremiah from Harlem. You start us off today.
1: Hi, Greece.
0: Hello. How are you today? Okay. Thank you.
1: Very good. Well, yeah, this is, um, this is a deadly situation. I mean, all war is deadly. And um, many people have pointed out, and rightfully so, that there's actually bombs that have been blowing up all over the place that don't get much attention by our media, um, including the proxy war that we sponsor in Yemen and um, just ongoing atrocities that are happening in a variety of different places around the world. However, this distinctly contains nuclear potential and therefore it needs to be put in another category. I mean, every human life is equal, in my opinion. No person is worth more than any other person. But we'd also be um, not particularly astute if we didn't realize that there was an additional destructive potential in this situation. And um, once again, we have to look at the fact that our country um, has been – meddling in international affairs. And um, in this case, we've been poking the caged bear that is Russia. And a lot of people have predicted that uh, this type of scenario uh, would emerge for many years now because we've really been, um, as a nation, uh, antagonistic in that part of the world. And um, Henry from Chicago Uh, called and mentioned my name last week, early last week um, in reference to our sponsorship of uh, Nazis and the the Nazi element in Ukraine, which um, he said I downplayed, which perhaps I did because there is a Nazi problem throughout Europe and throughout the world. I guess we could say there's neo-Nazi elements right here in this country. However, The Nazis in Ukraine have an actual seat at the table and um, the history of Ukrainian Nazism, I guess their Nazi figurehead is Bandera. And they have these banderites who actually exist as part of the political scene in Ukraine. And um, it's, it's almost incomprehensible. I mean, you have a Jewish president who's shaking hands with Nazis and um has recognized them and has granted them a seat at the table so it sort of reminds me of when the united states was sponsoring bin laden and his cohorts in afghanistan against the russians and we didn't have the forethought to think well it's jihad against the russians right now but what if it's jihad against us in 20 years Um, again it seems that we've followed that same pattern and we've sought out the biggest lunatics that we could find to fight the most vicious style of warfare possible without consideration for the long-term consequences. So, you know, I do recall a few callers sort of downplaying, uh, what could potentially happen there. And I hope they're not still making that same mistake because, um, you know, what's happening right now is already a terrible tragedy but it could actually result in a World War III scenario, unfortunately. I don't say that to be dramatic at all, but factually speaking, those cards are on the table right now.
0: Mm -hmm. What, for you personally, what are your options as you see them?
1: You know, that's a great question, (laughs) Beatrice. I was questioning that before World War III was on the table. So what my options are, I actually need to really figure that out because I actually have family in Belarus, and they're basically detained within the country. You know, we can't visit them because of the restrictions and the sanctions, and they can't leave effectively. So this has um, a direct impact on my family, and I need to figure out you know, basically how the family can be reunited under these circumstances. And then there's the question of whether some of the physical warfare might actually spill across the border into Belarus, especially considering that Lukashenko, the dictator of Belarus, has um, you know, provided uh, a launch pad and a haven for Russian soldiers. So, yeah, I don't know. It's a great question. Uh, It's not a good feeling to feel powerless. And, you know, unfortunately, while I have been an anti-war activist my entire adult life, I have to admit that um, most of my protesting felt mostly like a symbolic gesture, which I think, you know, symbolism is important. And I think, you know, it's better for people to speak out than not speak out, even if they're speaking out. Doesn't create a direct policy result, but as you said profoundly in one of your previous statements, we're outside of the circles of power, so to speak. So yes. I'm not going to kid myself that I'm within the circle of power. Within the circle of community oh. power, perhaps, but not in terms of geopolitical.
0: Uh, yes, I, I understand. Well, thank you for getting us started and for getting us started so powerfully today, Jeremiah. Thanks for your contribution. Thank you. Jackie from Brooklyn, you're on the air at 888 874 4888. Good afternoon, you and the listening family. Good
2: afternoon. Oh, uh, yeah. Your question is, uh, you know, very thought provoking. I'll try to start on a personal level and then go the other way. Um, I think at this time we have to reassess everything about our lifestyle in terms of economics, in terms of planning, in terms of uh, even food and provisions for our homes and have some type of an emergency plan in place in case we have to either evacuate or go somewhere else. So, uh, I think that's very important that we do that on a personal family level. Uh, in terms of the geo politics, uh, I think a lot of this stuff was already set in motion. And the sad part is the part that, um, I think it was you or Jer- Jeremiah just said, you know, we feel powerless. One of the reasons is because we don't have information. Uh, and the same thing, according to the press, the people in, in Russia don't have information either. They're closing down, you know, or have closed down, you know, Internet access. Um, but I do believe that this was um, carefully thought out. I don't think it's just happenstance and that all of a sudden it's going to be a war because Putin has gone crazy. I think this is all all, um, orchestrated. And, uh, the other issue is that, uh, the people, uh, my question is this, why are they sending $30 million to the Ukraine when the Ukraine has practically for all practical purposes, uh, been obliterated except for one or two major cities. So where does this $30 million go? Does it fall into the hands of the invading country? Or does it go into the hands of the people that are escaping from the uh, on, you know, ongoing invasion? And the other issue is the monies that are being sent abroad has a uh, budgetary impact on programs uh, here at home. Part of it is codes, a COVID treatment and prevention. And part of it is the Build Back America plan. So some of these monies that was earmarked for those federal programs for the American citizens is now wrapped up in uh, the uh, aid packet, the military aid packet. And as usual, the uh, defense industry, they were uh, granted by Congress even more money than the president even asked for. So here we go again with the uh, war machines and the big business and there's never a reduction, <clears throat> excuse me, in military, um, funding. And there's always a reduction on the backs of uh, poor and non-voting people. People are not able to vote either disabled immigrant population, whatever. Uh, monies are taken from those services and put towards a war effort, but I don't believe it's a surprise. I don't believe it's a shock. I think, um, they're gradually, they, meaning the uh, news media establishment, and probably even the the federal government, uh, you know, they release information in dribbles and drabs. So we don't really know what the overall plan was from the very beginning. But I am a believer in God, and I believe that God judges nations as well as people. So I strongly urge people to go into their own prayer closet and ask for direction and help and assistance so that's what I have to say today I'm sorry it's not on a happier note but that's the reality oh, we'
0: all on that we, we all are on that same page it's not happy yeah. for anyone um, considering the immediate future it doesn't look all that great at the moment yes I so, know but we Go ahead. I'm sorry. So if you were advising Joe Biden. Oh, go ahead. What? <laughs> you. Okay. What would you tell him should be the priorities now, right now? I think the priority should be uh, national
2: issues, American issues. And, uh, and when I say national, I'm not referring to, um, this argument about the rise of the Nazis and the neo-Nazis cause they are here and they've always been here and they've just become more, uh, virulent since the last administration, but they've always been here. But when I say the national issues, I'm talking about the budget, healthcare, that's reasonable that people, if you don't have healthcare, it should be a national health care policy. There should be a national food policy. We, we have to do something about climate. And, and then I mean, climate is just, you know, one day it's snowing and then tomorrow it's supposed to be 60 and it was like 21, three days ago here in New York. So that's an issue, climate energy. Um, but this requires a bold, focus of bold administration that's gonna say we're not gonna to continue to, to feed and fund a war. We're not gonna to continue to feed and fund a Defense Department.
0: And all that goes along with that. So and but people are it would are, take a lot it would take a lot to make even a simple statement like that because the way things are shaping up it is shaping up so that we the people can simplify what the problem is and who the main characters are and that's been done. It's the United States and Russia. Well, uh,
2: you know, I don't, I, that's true in terms of like, you know, big power struggles, but it's not true in terms of the history of the region, the NATO issues. Uh, you know, I'm not that familiar with where, um, you know, all these military operations have been lining up around um, the Ukraine. And uh, obviously the Ukraine is a strategic part of the world. But, um, you know, the first thing is that we need more transparency. The second thing is uh, when you put forth a proposed budget, then this so-called... Um, need for military intervention arises, why is it taken away from the people, the ones, the very things that the people need most? They've encouraged people to go to uh, maskless and vaccine versus non-vaccine. But if there is a, a resurgent of the virus, is there any actual medical programs or plans in place to help the people if there's another resurgent? I don't think so. I don't think anybody's even talking about that. You know, you can't even find out things in the news. All you hear in the news is the same stuff. I stopped listening because I I try to listen like once a day. Because you really can't find out what's going on through talking, you know, listening to the news media, the so-called major media outlets. So you really don't know. That's why I said starting personally. We have to start from a, a personal defense self-defense, and preservation point of view within our own homes, within our own family and friends. So it's, it's uh, you know, but I still have hope, uh, have hope, but it's not based on the grievance conduct of human beings. My hope lies in another source. So um, that's the only thing that gives me hope. And we need a lot of money to be expended towards mental health. Look at what's going on with the mental health issues, especially among young people, and it's not, you know. Anyway, I'm going to get off and let somebody else talk, but thank you for giving me an opportunity, and I do have hope. I'll close out with that. I will say that. I do have hope, but we should be wise as serpents and sometimes harmless as though, and we have to ask God for discernment so we can see what the times
0: are saying to us. Okay. So you Thank be
2: you well. Thank you very
0: much. And I look forward to Thank you Jackie for your talking. Thanks for your contribution today. 888 874 4888. We're talking about what is fulminating right now all around the world and that is looking toward the the, the great the great uh the Great War. Will there be a Great War, first of all? And the war essentially places the United States, not surprisingly, as a major actor in this war. Ukraine, uh, meaning uh, represented by uh, a burgeoning nation. Do you have Russia? already the the counterpart. So we're seeing the formulation taking place. The United States of America versus Russia. And other countries in the middle of it all will somehow align themselves as their interests dictate. But how do you see it? developing. How do you see this uh, confrontation coming? Does it have to happen? Will it happen? And what, therefore, will the fallout be? I doubt we can say, well, we see peace. Yes, there will be war, but there'll be peace afterwards. Long gone are those days. This is war. And this is not going to be a short war. It's going to be a complicated, long war. And we have to start asking ourselves these kinds of questions. What do we do? Do we... Because we are in the United States of America, do we align ourselves with the United States? Is there something else that we can do? Is there any way that we can uh, influence the, the outcome of this process? Because it's going to be a major conflagration if it does go ahead, we know that. So, what are the alternatives? What are the possibilities? How do we intercede if we can? Will Biden listen to us? Would Biden listen to the people? Would Putin listen to his people? Would there be a neutral voice that says, We cannot have another war. Figure another way, but we just cannot have another world war. We can't afford it. And if so, how do we get to that point? It's not working too well so far. Negotiations and both sides meeting and a lot of talking going on. It's, it's not producing very much in the way of progress. But what do we do? And on the personal level, now we come to the nitty-gritty, which is, what are our options? What happens to us in the middle of all of this this maelstrom of activity that could go either way. Do you have any ideas about it? Do you think about it? Have you thought about it? Do you have something, even if it's just the beginning of it, but a plan in progress for yourself, for your family, for your community. You have something that would help you and others make sense of the moment we're in now so that everything is not lost. What is your plan? What is the plan? according to Biden. What is the plan? We've been down this road many times before, but there's something pretty special about this time, and that is people have to play for keeps because that's what's going to happen. Permanent... uh, permanent solution we may not like it it's probably not going to be good for anybody but the the point is we have to think about what might happen what could happen eight 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 seven four four eight 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 I decided not to take a break today because I wanted more voices than music right now. Uh, Let's have your voices. What are you thinking? What are the options? What are the realities that we have to confront and deal with at this time in history? Because it is a historic moment. We may not know that yet, but we should know that from the beginning. It's a historic moment. And the decisions made in times like these tend to be long-lasting. They may not be wise. They may not anticipate everything but they will be long lasting. And if so, what should our concerns be? Brother Day from Brooklyn, you're on the air.
3: Uh, yes, I've been listening to the discussion. And what's coming to my mind is what was said one time by the uh, head of the General Motors Company that the business of America was business and i'm thinking uh with the things that have been said before that should drive on to the, the point to the people that this country is not run by the people biden does not work for the people he works for the ruling group that runs the country the Uh, corporations, the uh, 1% and whatnot. And one of the most uh, profitable ways of building the wealth of those at the top is warfare. And that means military contracts, military equipment, and we're talking about over a trillion dollars. And I think uh, this whole thing has got the uh, go-ahead sign with them, uh, the fact that the government, the United States government, meddled in Ukraine, overturned the government with a coup d'etat, and put in uh, the guy that's in there now, and uh, try to get... Uh, this uh, Ukraine government uh, into uh, this corrupt uh, situation with the uh, uh, European Union and uh, NATO uh, was uh, something that got the okay from those who really run the country, those at the top. So I don't think they're going to let this go any further because I'm sure that all the people concerned know that you cannot win a worldwide nuclear war. So what we're going to see is uh, they're telling the people here to just give up some money and send the billions of dollars over to Ukraine, buy some more equipment and training and whatnot and so forth. And they'll be satisfied with that. And uh, it would be very unwise to get into a nu- nuclear uh, situation with the Russians. They must have known that if they tried to get Ukraine into the other gangsters that belong to this uh, organization called NATO, uh, that that would get some pushback from the Russians. But they didn't care that would motivate uh those that work for those in power. I mean they like the Congress. they don't work for us they work for the one percent to spend some more billions of dollars uh, buying equipment uh, for the uh people in Ukraine, military equipment that is, and uh, they don't care about worrying about taking care of people here and uh, any of the people's needs. It's just you do what you have to do to keep the, the people here quiet. And uh, if you can take some money and send it to Ukraine rather than taking care of the people who need hair, care here, uh, you do it. So that's, that's the priority, and I think they will feel that they're winning as long as they... Uh, get that uh, those funds that come as, as a result of the Congress they control to give them funds and do things that uh, harass uh, the Russians, and they feel like when is it this point? Uh, so, but the point of getting to nuclear war—that would be, i think that would be an accident. I don't think anybody with uh, any kind of uh, brain cells. Would think that they want to take this to the stage of a nuclear exchange, uh, that that would be really crazy. I mean, I know they're greedy, but uh, I, I don't think it will go that far. But uh, there's always a possibility, an accident or something of that sort. So that's, that's what I see is going on, and all the social things for the people here, the Economic benefits for people, the masses of people I'm talking about, they don't really care about that. This is about a ruling class running a country and making you think that you have a democracy. That's the way I see
0: it. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks very much for offering your opinion and analysis today. Ed from Queens, you're on the air. Hey,
4: good afternoon. Teresa. how are
0: you? Okay, Ed, how are you? You know me in the phone. Still here. For <laughs> You're going to need your thumbs really badly
4: soon. Yeah, yeah. Oh, as to this conflict that's taking place in Eastern Europe, I tend to agree with David. I mean, we're looking at a world that's, I, well, honestly, I believe we're looking at a world that's in a shift as far as the geopolitical atmosphere. We're looking at the leaving of the stage of empire of America, and we're looking at the rise of the East, uh, China specifically, Russia, um, India. We're looking at in the next 50 years, there's going to be an increase in quote-unquote colored people population or people of ethnic descent, and they're going to outnumber the Europeans. And the Europeans in America are jockeying for position using – the weapons, using the tools that they have at their disposal, you know the old axiom, if all you have is a hammer, everything is a nail, that's what they're doing. They're using their military might. They're using their their, their strategic might to set themselves in a position, but the world is changing. Like, I, uh, like David said, I tend to agree. I used to be a nuclear weapons maintenance technician in the military, And I know a couple of facts about those weapon systems. One being, some of them don't even work. They have expendable parts. And when the collapse of the Cold War came, a lot of maintenance debts and maintenance facilities were rendered useless. And those weapons sit idle. And if those parts aren't changed in a timely manner, the system won't work. So that being said, nuclear war I don't think is an option in anybody's mind What I think, what I believe is happening, we're looking at the changing geopolitical firmament, and America and Europe are doing the only thing that they have at their disposal, but eventually China, uh, India, and Russia, if Putin plays his cards right, are going to be key players in the next century, and America is going to be regaled to a third world status. Wow.
0: So with that scenario in mind, what do you expect the American government to be doing now in anticipation of where you say the country is going to go?
4: Well, I mean, America is capitulating. Like uh, uh, Calvin Cooley said it over, over 100 years ago, and it's still true today. The business of America is business. There is a power elite in this country that whatever happens, they come out ahead. Call it vulture capitalism, call it predatory lending, call it the, uh, the, you know, call it usurping um, and, and, and undermining the general public. Those are the people that are protecting their behinds right now. What people are failing to realize is that the concept of a nation or the concept of, of a country, I believe, is a thing of the past. What, what motivates the world now is resources, money, and capital and how you can control those resources to your advantage, be you a small country, be you a group of individuals, be you a corporation. I, I, I fear in the immediate future corporations will rule the world through proxy governments or just outright, depending upon how much money and how much resources that they can control because as it stands now, with the calcification of wealth in this world, there is a small group of people that control the largest of resources and capital on this planet. And that's that's not going to change anytime soon, no matter what you do, unless there is a, unless there is a revolution. And I don't think the American people are up for it. And I don't think the rest of the world has organized enough to foment one or to even carry out one. So we're in for dark days of corporate control. Beware the devil's men.
0: Okay, so you've given us a long view. Uh, what we started out talking about today is a much shorter view. What is that view?
4: Well, the short view is going to be, uh, you know, war profiteers are going to make money off of munitions and weapons the conflict would be contained. You got to remember this thing has been going on since 2014. And when I was over there, it was going on back in the 80s. Uh, NATO, NATO uh, abandoning its promises and increasing its reach after the collapse of the Soviet Union, the, uh, the, the undermining of governments, the, uh, the, the infiltration by the CIA and by American forces of the surrounding Soviet uh, countries. And, and, and trying to undermine and plant uh, sympathetic rulers in place around Russia. This has been an ongoing campaign. This is not something that just started overnight, and it's going to be contained. And the bottom line is, as long as the war profiteers and people can make a profit off of this, it will go on ad nauseum until the people decide to stop it. That's what I'm hoping for. Maybe. Well, I think I'll, I think I'll be long in my grave when it does happen, But I hope the future holds more brave people and men and women of conscience to overthrow this whole system and push it into the ocean where it belongs. Wow. Well, thank you. Thanks
0: for an insightful analysis today, causing us to think even more. Thank you. Marcus from Wisconsin, you're on the air.
5: Uh, thank you very much, you, a uh, Profoundly important question you're posing today, um, and if, if I may, um, the best thing about a pretty average 1944 war film called The Great Moment is this little bit from the prologue, because it sums up what I believe is really uh, the the crux of the matter here. One of the most charming characteristics of Homo sapiens, the wise guy on your <laughs> left, <laughs> charming it's characteristics. Characteristics. is the consistency with which he has stoned, crucified, burned at the stake, and otherwise rid himself of those who consecrated their lives to his further comfort and and well-being, so that all of his strength and cunning might be preserved for the creation of ever-larger monuments, memorial shafts, triumphal arches, pyramids, and obelisks, to the eternal glory of generals on horseback, tyrants, usurpers, dictators, politicians, and other heroes who led him usually from the rear to dismemberment and death.
0: Hmm.
5: To, re- to repeat the point that we discussed last week, this is on us. This, when, when was the last nuclear crisis in the United States? Wasn't that long ago? Well, between the last one and this one. What have we done to prevent this? Did we undertake to try and do something to make the creation of the creation of the weapons necessary difficult or onerous or unpopular? No, we didn't. We did exactly what this line from the great moment said. We got rid of anybody who tried to get us to do that. Who, who wants you to be comfortable and well and have a sane life. And we spent all our energy putting our, uh, putting our efforts into supporting corrupt psychopaths to run the government, steal every bit of wealth that you produce and spend it so they can play nuclear chicken with each other. If, if you want to know what, Could be done to end this so called crisis. All we have to do is stop doing what Vladimir Putin has been warning us for 10 years he would do if we didn't stop it. We have sent almost $30 billion into Ukraine, which has gone into the hands of Nazis. The Azov Battalion, the Swoboda Group, they are Open Nazis, their flag has the symbol of the Nazi SS Volksangel on it. And the left in America are running around sporting it, yelling about freedom. This is how ignorant the American population is. All you have to do is stop arming Nazis on, his, on the Russian border. Uh, Putin has made it clear, I'm not going to occupy Ukraine. And if you look at the military maneuvering involved so far, there is no evidence that uh, any of the configurations militarily are designed to occupy a country. That's stuff we do. What he has made clear is we, he is going to go in there, he's going to kill every last Nazi War is a very messy business. There are going to be casualties among innocents. He is, uh, if you look at what he's doing, if you actually look at the, uh, the military analysis of what's going on from, you know, the expert military sites like, uh, like Jane's and anti-war and all of these places, you see that that's what he's doing. This is a very surgical operation. We caused this. We guaranteed him back in the Clinton administration that we would not do exactly what we've been doing ever since. Now, Putin is like any other corrupt politician. Any other government, they are corrupt to the bone. They are self-interested, and they are uh, and they are expedient. That's their number one rule, just like ours. So uh, there's no sense in pretending that this is some out of control thing. It's because we have refused from every one of these previous instances to do anything about it, it, which is in our power. Ask yourself the simple question, why should you sacrifice your comfort and well-being for a project that a bunch of corrupt elites want in Ukraine to make profits? Why should you sacrifice your lives and your children's lives for that?
0: We will have to leave it there. Right. Uh, but not permanently, because I want to continue this discussion tomorrow. Uh, we have quite a few people wanting to contribute, but I'm interested, Marcus, in not cutting your presentation off, right when you're getting to the point. So we gather again tomorrow and we ask the same question. Thanks so much for today and for contributing today so meaningfully. Uh, thank you all. Bye-bye.